Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Listeners should refer to the disclaimer in the episode notes and at the end of this podcast. We've got a three-pronged investment process. The first thing we're looking for is a company that their projected earnings growth is higher than their valuation or price earnings multiple basis. Call it a peg ratio. The second thing we're looking for is for a very strong management team. Third thing we're looking for is for a very strong positioning of this company within its chosen field of expertise. Now, we won't invest in a company unless we see a catalyst. Might be an earnings upgrade, an earnings accretive acquisition, a divestment, a sell down. Might be something like that. G'day and welcome back to Equity ASA, brought to you by the Australian Shareholders Association. I'm Phil Muscatello, and today I'd like to welcome to the microphone Oscar Oberg from Wilson Asset Management. Hello, Oscar. G'day, Phil. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on. Always a pleasure to get someone from Wilson's. So, Oscar's the lead portfolio manager responsible for WAM Capital, WAM Microcap, WAM Research and WAM Active. Let's just start by talking about these LICs and what the different investment strategies are across them. Yeah, sure. So across the wider Wilson Asset Management Group, we have just over $5 billion of funds under management across eight listed investment companies. So as you said before, myself and a team of six of us look after four of those eight listed investment companies, and that's predominantly looking at micro caps, small caps, and mid caps within the Australian market. So the four listed investment companies, you've got WAM Capital, WAM, WAM Microcap, WMI, WAM Research, WAX, and WAM Active, WAA. WAM Capital is the largest. It's been around for just over 20 years. It's around $1.6 billion in size. And in terms of how we look at stocks within WAM Capital, approximately 50% of the stocks we invest in are long-term research ideas. And the other 50% is what we call sort of market-driven or more shorter-term catalyst-driven ideas. In WAM Microcap Fund, we're looking at stocks less than 300 mil in terms of market capitalization. So pretty tiny. Pretty small, very small. So we launched that sort of in June 2017 using the same investment process as WAN Capital. And then if investors want to focus on purely research, on the research-driven ideas, they can potentially purchase WAM Research, which is around sort of $250 million in size. Or if they are interested in the market-driven or more short-term ideas, they can look at WAM Active, which is around 70 or $80 million in size. So in summary, that's us in terms of the small caps within Wilson Asset Management. And the, the different strategies um, involved with each one. So Wilson's is famous for the LIC structure. What is it that you like about the LIC structure? Yeah, I think um, the main thing, reason we like about it is that when we raise money in the market or when we, when we conduct an initial public offering, the capital is permanent. And why that actually matters is that if you're within a trust structure, generally you're receiving inflows 
into your fund when the market is hot and when the market's going well, which means you have to keep buying companies and you might think that they're high valuations, but you've got all these inflows and you've got to get back into the market. Yeah, the money's got to go somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. And so when the market falls, you know, in periods like the GFC or perhaps what we're seeing now, you're getting money taken away from you. And that could be at the time when you're seeing a whole heap of opportunities and across um, the funds we manage, we're seeing quite a lot of opportunities at the moment. So that, that would be one of the major reasons. The other reason would be you've got the ability to pay a steady stream of fully frank dividends. You know, trust structures, you know, you vary in terms of your distribution depending on performance. But with a LIC, you can definitely, you know, if you manage your dividend well, hopefully you set it and then you can gradually increase it and provide that consistency for your shareholders. Mm. And then like lastly, for an investor, potential investor in LICs, and we're probably seeing opportunities like this right now, is, is that sometimes, you know, in terms of how LIC trades in the share market, it's often independent to how the asset's actually performing. So you can see opportunities such as a discount to its net tangible assets, and that provides an opportunity to buy something below its asset backing. And as Jeff says, he always loves paying 80 cents for a dollar of assets. So you know, there's a number of LICs out there at the moment that are trading at discounts. So there's definitely an abundance of opportunities out there for investors. Yeah. And um, they're a bit out of favour. LICs seem to be a little bit out of favour, especially with the rise of the ETF structure and uh, the popularity as well. But um, Wilson's LICs, sorry, I don't want to blow your trumpet too hard here, but um, investors do seem to value WAM LICs quite highly. Well, I think if we look at the strength of the business and, you know, Wham Capital has been the one that's been around the longest is, as I said before, like, the, you know, the steady stream of fully frank dividends and consistency of dividends is generally what our investors are looking for and that's stable, I guess, fully frank dividend yield. So I think it, generally what we see with a number of our funds is that, you know, when we do list in the market initially, there's sometimes they can go to discounts, but, you know, if the performance stays consistent and you pay that dividend, then that's when you start to um, go to a premium. And, you know, Wham Leaders, which we launched in 2016, is probably the best example that's trading at a premium right now. Mm. Wham Microcap in 2017 as well. So, yeah, so that's you know, one of the reasons why we like the LIC structure. So let's have a look at the current macro environment and um, how you feel that they'll affect equity markets. And uh, let's just date stamp this because, um, you know, markets can change at a moment's notice. We're recording on Friday, April 8th. Yeah, it's a bit like that at the moment. I've never <laughs> seen the market so short term. It's it's just so hard to invest. I actually think it's a much harder period than what COVID was. I mean, COVID, it was, it was sort of no one knew what to do. But so every sector was sort of going down. This period at the moment, there's sectors going down, but there's also sectors going up a lot given sort of the disruption you're seeing in Russia. So, I mean, in terms of the companies we invest in across the four funds, it's been a very, very tough time for the last three months. And I suspect it will continue to be a tough time for a period. And that's largely for three reasons. You've got the uncertainty caused by obviously the Russia and Ukraine war. That's caused a lot of disruption, particularly around supply chains. That's impacting a number of sectors. You've got inflationary pressures that's impacting interest rates. And we still have the ongoing impacts of COVID, which is still impacting a number of industries. Mm. So I guess from our perspective, though, how we're looking at things, and we have an, you know, an investment process that we've been doing consistently from day dot, and we're actually seeing a lot of opportunities. Now, while I'm sort of negative or accept that it's very uncertain at the moment, we're sort of investing for the longer term. And, and we see when the market comes back to our style of investing and back to our stocks, we see significant upside with the number of companies. Mm. And that's largely due to the fact that 
most of the companies that we're invested in have very strong balance sheets, are, are net cash, and have catalysts for a re-rating of the share price, whether it be sort of an earnings upgrade or asset divestment or, or something like that. But looking broadly, everyone's talking about inflation at the moment and interest rates. We are seeing the, the data in the United States, particularly around consumer sentiment and manufacturing indications roll off. So within that environment, we do think that the rate rises at the moment that's forecast by consensus in the market for the US, we think that's probably what they'll achieve. And we think that's priced in particularly to the companies that we invest in. And what's even more is if you look over history, there's been several periods where we've had rising interest rate environments or even war. And the market has actually performed quite strongly over that period. So albeit, you know, recessionary um, impacts do hit you a few years later. So look, in terms of our funds, we're sitting at around 13 to 14% cash across both the micro cap fund and WAM capital. We're in more liquid stock. So if things do take a turn for the worse, we can sell. But on the whole, we acknowledge it's very uncertain, but at the same time, we're seeing a lot of opportunities. How about with commodities? Because commodities seem to be making the news these days and um, you know Australia being a great commodity exporter. Well, I mean, we are the lucky country, aren't we? So it's crazy. And, and I mean, looking at what's happened in Russia and Ukraine, and they're clearly a, a big coal producer, a big iron ore producer, a big oil producer, and clearly the beneficiary is Australia and clearly the beneficiary is resource stocks. So unfortunately, the way we run things at WAM Capital and WAM Microcap, resources has never been a big part of the portfolio and that's just due to our investment process. We've always focused on industrial companies. That's hurting us at the moment. There's no question about it. I think it will continue to hurt us. I think commodities look very good at the moment. There are several ways we can play it in terms of the portfolio and mining services and oil services companies, but for the most part, you're getting all the leverage in the resources sector. So we think the resources sector will continue to do very well for a period of time, and that's where we're seeing investor preferences head to at the moment. So you've touched on um, the way that you structure these portfolios. What are some of the criteria that you apply to screen for quality companies? So we look at, in terms of the research-driven process, which is broadly 50% of WAM capital, there we've got a three-pronged investment process. First thing we're looking for is a company that their projected earnings growth is higher than their valuation on a price-to-earnings multiple basis, call it a peg ratio. The second thing we're looking for is for a very strong management team. Third thing we're looking for is for a very strong positioning of this company within its chosen field of expertise. Now, we won't invest in a company unless we see a catalyst, and that's key to our investment process. So a catalyst might be an earnings upgrade, an earnings accretive acquisition, a divestment, um, a sell-down. It might be something like that. And that's what we need for the research-driven process. So that's broadly 50% of WAM capital, 50% of WAM microcap. On the market-driven side of things, largely short-term opportunities that we see that come past our desk every day. You know, we had a company that raised money, Navigator, two days ago. We didn't own shares in it. That's something we've bought, and that's certainly in the market-driven side of the portfolio. So it's largely companies that don't fit our research-driven process, but again, we see opportunities for an earnings upgrade, an acquisition, divestment, sell-down, et cetera. So generally, when the tech sector was running hot a couple of years ago, that's where a lot of the tech companies were held in within the, the active or the market-driven strategy. So that's pretty much it. That's a two-pronged investment strategy, investment process. And how about exiting? What are criteria do you use to, what's your signals or triggers to get out and exit? I mean, the strength of the business is we do a lot of meaning. So, you know, individually, we're probably saying, God, four companies a day sort of thing. And that might be two listed companies, but it also might be unlisted companies and suppliers or customers. And we're trying to get as much intel as we can. And we're on the road. We haven't been able to do that for two years, but 
Three of the six of us are currently interstate at the moment. We're always trying to pound the pavement for any sort of intel that we can get on our company. So if we get that intel and suddenly we don't think the catalyst is there anymore, then that's a trigger for us to sell. And so there's you know plenty of examples across the portfolio where we've done that and it's been successful. I mean, you know, might be we thought there was earnings upgrade. Oh, we've done a little bit of work. Actually, we think there's an earnings downgrade. So we try and sell the company before the earnings downgrade happens. And that's what we effectively do for a living and do all the time. So um yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. Bluenile.com code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So for you at the moment, what are the key themes that you're seeing in the small to mid-cap space? Yeah, so as I said earlier, it's a very tough space at the moment. You can't hide behind it. There's Valuations are coming down. Investors are looking at the resources sector, but they're also looking for the safety of, say, banks as well. So you're having that sort of situation that's impacting certainly our performance and the broader small cap industrial index. Because at the moment, it does seem to be all banks and resources, doesn't it? That's where the action is right at this um, very moment in time, 8th of April. And you take a step back and you go, well, you know, the banks are paying a fantastic dividend. You've got a rising interest rate environment. Russia and Ukraine produce a certain amount of resources across oil and coal and iron ore. So Inflation for banks, yeah. Exactly. So it's a tough market. Um, you can't hide behind that. But if you look at sort of the small cap industrial stocks we look at, There's three broad issues. Firstly, the issue is inflation and trying to understand which of the companies have the ability to push through the cost increases through to higher prices. Second issue is valuation. So those companies that might have been on a high valuation, if interest rates continue to go up, are they more sensitive to their share prices falling? And then thirdly, which is very important, is what companies within the small cap market were boosted by COVID over the last two years and perhaps have a slowdown in terms of their revenue or earnings in the next sort of six to 12 months. Now, that describes pretty much <laughs> every company in the sector at the moment. And we're going through and we're constantly asking ourselves that question whenever we're looking at certain companies. Now, we think in terms of how our portfolio is made up at the moment, the companies that we're investing in, we're supremely confident that they can pass through pricing or they have a very strong balance sheet. They can make an acquisition. So as I said, we're very positive on the companies we're investing in and we see catalysts going forward. The question is, though, is when will the market come back to us? And that's the sort of question we're grappling at the moment. But yeah, as I said, valuations are very, very good at the moment in the space and we're we're looking to ride it out. A couple of times you've touched on the strength of the balance sheet. Is that... um Every company you look at, that's one of the main criteria for you, that it's got to have that strong balance sheet? 
Oh, definitely. I mean, it's it's a huge consideration for us. I mean, we get no better example of that than through COVID. You know, if debt markets freeze up, mm. it yeah really hurts companies. And you know, as we saw through COVID, we're actually seeing now like those companies that don't have much debt, they have an ability to potentially buy companies at a very cheap valuation and totally transform their business. So, yeah, clearly earnings accretive acquisition. It's a strong consideration for us when we're looking at catalysts for various companies and it's definitely something we consider. And I think if we look through our portfolio, particularly WAM Capital, yeah, I think the stat is, is that 45% of the companies we invest in either have net cash, which means more cash than the debt they have on the balance sheet, or have significant property holdings that can really support the balance sheet. So that's really high and we think that's appropriate in this sort of uncertain market that we live in. So what are the sectors? Let's drill down. What are the sectors you're seeing opportunities in? Yeah, I mean, the first sector is certainly the construction sector. Tough two years. First year was COVID. Yeah, and they're still cycling through that. There's still some staff absenteeism. There's no doubt about that. And clearly the weather um, on the East Coast. However, the pipeline of infrastructure projects is incredibly high. The housing market itself is still very buoyant. There's still a huge backlog of work to be done over the next two years. So the companies we quite like there are Mars Group, Seven Group, and certainly on on the oil services side as well, uh, Wally Parsons. We still like travel. That's been the same way within the portfolio the last two years. Recently saw some credit card data from ANZ that said spending at travel agents is actually back to where it was before COVID. So yes, it's a consumer discretionary style business as such or, or sector, but there's just so much pent up demand and we're seeing that at the moment. So we do think the travel industry, you know, we'll see domestic travel first, but then it'll go on to international travel. So our key holdings there are tourism holdings in New Zealand, Kelsian, Webjet, and also corporate travel. So they're, they're the two sectors broadly, if you had a look at our portfolio that we quite like. But I'd say generally in terms of how we invest, it's very stock specific. So we wouldn't necessarily see broad themes through the portfolio other than does it fit into our investment process or not. So you're sector agnostic in that terms. You're just looking for good companies no matter where they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned a few companies there. Tell us about some more companies that you're finding interesting at the moment for your portfolios. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think in in this environment, you really need to look at the management team, so important, and also the history of the board and also the balance sheet. So a few companies that I'll mention here look very interesting from that perspective. So Ridley is the first one. So an agricultural business, it's effectively a, a feed processor in the sector. It's been around for a very long time. And if you have a look at the 30-year share price, it hasn't really moved that much up until now. <laughs> and you know, there's been a change in the management team. 30 years. <laughs> oh, it's a great chart, actually. <laughs> very flat, is it? <laughs> oh, it's just it trades in this band. But it's like Grain Corp and this is sort of how I equate to it. We own Grain Corp, just upgraded to Fortunately, we don't anymore, but it would have been nice. But Grain Corp was in that band for a very, very long time, and now it's suddenly shot out of it. And we think Ridley will do the same. And this is largely due to the fact that the management team's focusing on their core assets. They've sold non-core assets. Balance sheet's very strong. It's close to net cash. Been reinvesting in the business, focusing on the right areas. They've been taking market share. But we see double-digit growth profile for the business over the next three years and our opportunities for acquisitions. And one of the businesses they invested in about five years ago is this um, feed business for the prawn industry called Novak. Mm. They had high hopes on that business five years ago and probably didn't achieve what anyone thought it would, but it's currently not being 
valued at all in the share price. And we actually think it looks quite interesting at the moment. So we think potentially they could get a partner or monetize their holding at, at some point. So I think that looks quite interesting. But the stock jet is very cheap. So it's on a 12 times earnings. We think it'll grow well over 15% organically for the next few years. So that's that's a typical wham stock, let's call it, that we like to invest in. Yep. On the spicier end, probably <laughs> in the micro cap end, is a stock called Mermaid Marine. This is a company, it was a very big company about 10 years ago. It basically provides marine vessels for the oil and gas industry to work on offshore pipelines or platforms. It effectively geared up its balance sheet, did a major acquisition right at the top of the oil and gas cycle back in 2012-2013. All prices fell, CapEx fell, and over the last, call it 10 years, the business has restructured about three or four times. <laughs> so now where we're at, we're at the bottom. A significant number of boats have been taken out of the market. Mermaid is currently trading at a discount to its net tangible assets around of 20%. It's been selling boats close to or actually above its NTA, their tangible assets. The largest peer globally is called Tidewater. They're currently trading at a 20% premium to their net tangible assets. So we think Mermaid is really primed. Obviously, oil and gas prices have increased. We think there's a significant amount of work coming for them and also they're a big takeover target. So yeah, we quite like that one. Balance sheet's fine post these asset sales. Management's been around for quite some time, so it's seen the worst of it. So they're very conservative, which we like. So there potentially could be a good three to five years for this business, definitely. So this is in the micro cap fund. It's one of our largest holdings. So we quite like that one. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that you say this. I'm no expert, obviously. You're the expert and I'm not. But um, a company like Mermaid or Wally Parsons obviously would have been affected by the lack of capital expenditure due to other forces of decarbonisation. Is that a factor in these? What's interesting, though, is clearly oil prices have risen quite a lot and there's a shortage and, you know, it's in every government's interest to get the oil price down, right? And you'd need these boats and you're right, they're powered by diesel. And so there will be a, a period in time where there will be a big replacement cycle of ESG-friendly vessels. But in the meantime, the industry needs them. <laughs> and that's going to be very positive because you won't see suddenly a, a big replacement cycle of diesel-powered boats. They'll just get repaired and the prices will go up. Mm. So that's sort of our view. If you look at Wally Parsons as well, like, I mean, the business has transitioned over the last two years to focus on ESG. Mm. And certainly their larger oil and gas customers are focused on, on ESG, hydrogen and lithium and so forth. But at the same time, you've got this pressure on oil and gas markets. So they're going to keep spending on their ESG. Don't worry about that. But they've also got to spend on, on their traditional hydrocarbon business as well. And that sits in well, it's really in their sweet spot. So yeah, as I said, I think there's going to be a good few years for these businesses. Absolutely. If we see a ceasefire tomorrow in Ukraine and Russia, I don't think suddenly the whole world's going to open up to Russian oil or any of those commodities. It will take a long period of time. So those fundamentals are probably going to support commodities for an extended period. Okay. So if listeners are interested in finding out more, where can they find more information and uh, more importantly, the PDS? Yeah. So with um, all our funds, you can see a monthly update on the ASX when we release our sort of monthly net tangible assets. On the website, there's a ton of information as well. We also have a heap of research papers written by Morningstar and Lonsec and so forth. Some of the stockbrokers actually write research on us as, as well. So there's an abundance of information on all the Wilson Asset Management Funds. Great. Well, we'll put some links in the uh, episode notes as well so that um, listeners can find out more. Awesome. 
Oscar Oberg, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks, Phil. Really appreciate your time. Important. Please remember these podcasts are produced to provide information and education, and they're not designed to provide financial advice, nor are they a recommendation to buy shares in the companies featured or discussed. The Australian Shareholders Association does not endorse or favour any specific commercial product or company. Please obtain independent professional advice before investing. We value your feedback and questions. Please contact us at share at asa.asn.au if you have any suggestions for guests or specific questions you'd like answered.